Cara Dale has long had a passion for ministry and service. She trained as a teacher at Avondale, but even then was president of student ministries, all the while training to be a teacher. I remember the years, and they were great years. After teaching for four years in the Adventist school system, Cara returned to Avondale and trained for pastoral ministry. And those of us who were here when she came recognised that she was doing something she'd been born to and destined to do. She has worked in the Queensland Conference since graduating uh, from 2012 onwards. Fascinatingly, she was involved in local church ministry, but also as chaplain in an aged care institution. Probably the first time the folks at that place were blessed with the kind of touch that a woman could bring in that role. She pastored in her own right and is now associate pastor at Springwood, one of the largest uh, suburban churches in the South Queensland Conference. We're so pleased that she's here. Cara wraps up our morning with her presentation. Will you welcome Cara Dale? Good morning. It's a privilege to be here. At 15 years of age, I had never heard of a female pastor, but I felt deep in my soul that the Lord wanted me to be one. And in my young mind, it never actually occurred to me that my gender would be an issue. I had been brought up in a family deeply committed to serving God and who intentionally passed on those same values to me. And in my mind, that was what life was all about, serving God in whatever capacity he called me. When that road eventually led to formal pastoral training, I tread it cautiously, asking and waiting for clear leading from God, which he gave in abundance, and we're talking multiple fleeces, a whole year of them. I could not argue with his hand, and walking forward, I was incredibly blessed with great encouragement, affirmation, and opportunity from my church. My road has been a blessed one not only by my current leaders, my colleagues, my church members, but by the many courageous women who have gone before me. They took the blows, the rejection, that I have been spared. I know because I've listened to their stories, felt the raw pain that for many still remains, sensed their internal struggle as they witness in my life the affirmation and acceptance that they should have been given. They were brave and sacrificial in their walk. When places at the table were rare and uncomfortable at best, they chose to follow God and study anyway. They took the brunt and my road has been blessed because of it. My lecturers not only respected me as a theology student, but they affirmed me in my calling, graciously walking with me in my journey. My fellow brothers also studying with me showed respect and acceptance. When it came to graduation, presidents 
were proactive in, in employing both men and women, that there were far fewer places where they could send us was a real reality. But they were committed to doing everything that they could to change this. My congregations have been beyond encouraging. From the word go, they gave me full acceptance, respect, affirmation, appreciation. So blessed has my experience been that I had almost forgotten about the debate. And if you had asked me prior to San Antonio, I would have said that it actually probably didn't make much difference to me personally. But it did. I had the honour of being present as speech after speech was made, asserting that full acceptance of God's calling on my life was unbiblical. That if my local conference chose to affirm the ministry they were witnessing through me, that it would lead my church down a road of error and deception. That should my church give full acceptance of me as a pastor, it would fail in its mission. I listened as speech after speech suggested that any desire in me for my church to accept and affirm God's calling in my life came from a pride-filled heart. That because of me, valuable time had been wasted. And finally, as the cheers from the stands erupted, that God had spoken through these voices and I needed to sit down and be quiet. Beautiful, well-meaning people have since shared that the decision doesn't really matter because ordination itself is unbiblical in the way we currently practice it. That the fact that God has called me and my local church loves and accepts me is all that really counts. But it does matter. It matters because we are not lone rangers. God calls us to be part of his body, the church. And our church is not congregational. I belong to the Seventh-day Adventist church. It's my family. And ordination is currently the chosen format for giving full acceptance and affirmation of God's calling on an individual as an employed pastor in this church. You know, as a qualified teacher, no one questioned as to whether or not I could take a class, write a report, lead even. I was actually encouraged to pursue further education for leadership and management. We were called, we were qualified, we were given responsibility and trust to carry it out. So it came as a rude shock to enter a parallel ministry profession within the same church, one that I was clearly called in, thoroughly trained in, but the qualification was of a different nature. Qualified in this role meant that the responsibility and trust was just that, qualified. This was highlighted for me at the beginning of the year. I was entering my second year with a church that I was pastoring on my own. And we had decided to increase our eldership team due to a growth that we'd experienced that previous year. It was a special occasion. They were excited. I'd worked hard at enthusing our congregation for making this important step from going to one elder 
which they'd had for a very long time, to a whole team. It was Friday, and I was doing the final preparation for the program when I thought, maybe I should just check the manual, see if there are any special prayers, formal pledges that tradition calls us to follow. So I looked it up, and it was there that I read, ordained pastor must perform the ceremony. I reread it, <laughs> I read around it. <laughs> and I know, you're probably thinking she should have checked that before Friday. <laughs> True. <laughs> but honestly, it never occurred to me that one could be given the responsibility to lead a church, yet not be able to select and affirm the leadership team they were called to lead. But there it was, and I wasn't allowed to. Currently, that won't change. And I can tell you that it's no small thing to find an ordained pastor free at 11 a.m. on a Sabbath morning with less than 24 hours notice. Oh. But praise God, a wonderful retired man graciously came ordained. He came in and performed the ceremony for me and the whole program was allowed to go on. And I know that there are many amazing men who will step in for me when the situation presents itself again. But there is something disempowering, shameful even, in not being allowed to pray and affirm the leadership team that you're called to lead. However, as professionally disempowering as qualified significance is, there is a much deeper pain that I experienced from the vote in San Antonio. It declared God's calling on my life and my place in his church as illegitimate. An illegitimate daughter, blessed beyond words because of where I currently serve, but illegitimate nonetheless. And you can tell that daughter that it doesn't really matter. Many family members love her anyway. That she still has a roof over her head she can still eat at the table. She can even do the chores. But it does matter. It matters because we're family. The spiritual shame, disempowerment, pain, that an official declaration of illegitimacy gives is real. And so as a young female Seventh-day Adventist pastor in Australia, I walk a path of blessed illegitimacy and qualified significance, fighting the shame and anger that comes from belonging to a world church who in the name of God declared his calling on my life and my place in his family as illegitimate. Negotiating the disempowering challenges of leading in a qualified capacity, blessed beyond words by courageous, self-sacrificing women who have gone before me, by godly men who have worked hard to make a space at the table, inspiring leaders who courageously do all they can to affirm and empower me, and the incredibly Christ-centered congregations that I'm privileged to serve. Most of all though, blessed in the sure hope of a God who calls all and whose will will be done.